Let's turn to God's word as we continue our studies in the book of Jonah. And we're reading again from Jonah chapter 1. Tonight we'll read the first ten verses as we consider what I have called Jonah's Disclosure. Jonah's Disclosure. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amatar. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid And each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck. Where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots. And the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? What are your people? From where are your people? And he answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord, because he had already told them so. Let's end our reading there. This is God's word. Let's just pray a blessing. Father, in these moments that remain, open your word to us, we pray. The word of God. And we pray that our hearts might be open, receptive to receive from the Holy Spirit tonight. A word in season. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. In our last study in this quite extraordinary little book, We reflected upon how the world is in the midst of the storms of life, battered and bemused, unsure and uncertain. In desperation, the world asks the church for help. But just like Jonah, the church is asleep. It has nothing to say. Worse than that, It is doing stuff in the midst of its slumbers that dishonors God and taints its testimony. For the mariners of Jonah chapter 1 
there was unquestionably significant trouble. The sea was causing the boat to rock. And friends, it certainly was not the rock and roll of Bill Haley style. In their desperation, the sailors looked for answers. The right answer was right there in the boat. A sleeping man of God. But also, the answer, I believe, was in an angry God who was pursuing his disobedient servant. So the answer for these pagan mariners was in a sleeping man of God and in an angry God who was pursuing his disobedient servant. Friends, the misery of the world today, I believe, is traceable to a disobedient church under an angry God. And so arguably, you might say that God is at the bottom of it all. In the desperation and confusion, the mariners did all that they knew to do. They cast lots. They did all that they knew to do. They cast lots. The lot fell on Jonah. My observations this evening. The first thing to note here is that the solution to the sailors' trouble was out of their hands. The solution to the sailors' trouble was out of their hands. The sailors were desperate. They would try anything, so they gave themselves over to pure, unadulterated chance. And why not? That was all they knew. That was all they had at their disposal. Pure, unadulterated chance. By chance, the lot fell on Jonah. Which, let's be honest, was good for them. Now, they would probably have considered that to be lucky. Because ultimately it led to the solution to the problem. However, it is my understanding that in real terms, the solution had nothing to do with what the sailors did. I believe that God overruled and that God orchestrated circumstances, if you like, so that the lot fell on the man of God. The real solution to the problem was outside of themselves. The sailors did all that they knew they could do. Their destiny, it seems, was something that was, was pure, purely left to chance. But God overruled. Hallelujah. And so it is with the world today. The world is desperate. The storms of life batter and bemuse. Both the answer for the world 
Say, but the answer for the world is not to be found in its various and many efforts or manipulations. My friends, the answer for the world is found in trusting the one who controls the wind and the waves. On Friday morning, I was sat with a bereaved family as they mourned the loss of a much-loved husband, father, grandfather, and friend. They told me with broken hearts of John's bravely fought five-year battle with cancer. He simply wouldn't give up, they said to me. He fought right up until the end, they said. As heartwarming and as commendable as John's courageous battle was, the reality is that in the final analysis, John's ultimate destiny was out of his hands. It says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it is appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. Unsettling Friends, though this thought is, it is nevertheless the truth. How imperative it is, therefore, that we seek the one who holds the scales upon which our lives are balanced in his hands. The solution to the sailors' trouble was in a sense, out of their hands. They turned to all that they knew. Chance. Friends, how tragic it is that today we are surrounded by countless hundreds of thousands, nay millions of people who are basically doing all that they know what to do. Give their lives over to mere chance. The second thing to note here, however, is that Jonah's alliance with the world was no alliance at all. It is clear Jonah's boarding of the ship to Tarshish did not result in him becoming friends with the mariners. He may have thought he was their friends, but he was not. The mariners cast lots, and when the lot fell upon Jonah, they brought Jonah forward to interview him. This was something of a Spanish inquisition, it seems to me. There was an urgency in the tone of the mariners. As they questioned Jonah, as they called him to account. Friends, there does not appear to be any sentimentalism expressed here. There doesn't appear to be any loyalty offered towards Jonah. Quite simply, the lot fell on Jonah. When the church merges with the world and confuses saving grace with common grace... A real friendship between the world and the church, friends, does not follow. 
Equally, the church's identity being lost in the present world does not result in a genuine relationship with the world. Now I hear Christians say, often out of pure motive, but I hear them say, we need to relate to the world. We need to therefore rub shoulders with the world. True enough, perhaps. The problem is, however, the world does not understand us as we endeavor to rub shoulders. And that is because, friends, the world cannot understand us as we endeavor to rub shoulders. Not my words, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2.14, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Friends, we need to understand the utter folly of trying to get on such good terms with the world, that the world, therefore, will accept us. I regularly hear the expression, but the church needs to be relevant. There's a word, relevant. Again, true enough. But if by relevant it means that we must adjust our message so that the man in the street will now accept it, then surely relevance is wrong. It could be argued that the church has been doing this for years. Maybe driven by the politically correct agenda. Maybe driven by pure motive. But nevertheless, if we become preoccupied with being relevant and subsequently therefore communicate a message other than that message that is communicated in the Word of God, then that relevance is wrong. We've endeavored to communicate with the world. We've endeavored to be in alliance with the world. And yet, modern man remains unimpressed with the church. Wouldn't you agree? The bottom line is, the world and the church were never meant to be friends, as it were. Because what can bring darkness and light together into unison without there being an element of compromise, either in the light or in the darkness? The third thing to note here is that the solution to making our message relevant to the world is not to be found by concealing our identity. It turns out that Jonah's real identity was entirely different, was entirely, rather, entirely unlike that of the pagan mariners. But the pagan mariners were, it seems, unaware of this. Jonah had endeavoured, I believe, to conceal his identity. He didn't want anyone to know of his background. And perhaps reading a little into the text here, but one wonders why. Why was it 
that Jonah went to such great length to conceal his identity. Was he ashamed of his identity? Was he ashamed to be a Hebrew and a follower of Yahweh, his God? Perhaps he was ashamed of the fact that he was running away from the call of God. We can speculate, but whatever it was, he chose, I believe, to conceal his identity. He was ashamed. And like many in the church today, he was ashamed of his heritage. True enough, there was no greater stigma in those days than being a Hebrew. However, he was a Hebrew. Concealing his identity from the sailors did nothing. It did nothing for him. It did nothing for the sailors. So many in the church today are apologizing for their identity. Apologizing that there was once a people called the Puritans who called uh, men and women into holy life and living. Apologizing that there was once a great preacher from Wales called Jonathan Edwards who preached a sermon like sinners in the hands of an angry God. Apologizing that there was a time when the church believed in an everlasting hell. But come and try us now, we say as a church. Come and try us now. We don't believe these things anymore. We've grown up now. We're more relevant now. Come and try us now. We're different. Such speech shows that we are ashamed of our past. We are ashamed of our heritage. We are ashamed of the very gospel that we ought to proclaim. The church today has been working overtime trying to lose the stigma of the gospel, the stigma of the past. The result is that the church and the world in their endeavors to merge basically have moved into compromise. This merge cannot take place. What fellowship, says the Apostle Paul, can light have with darkness? This merge cannot take place. This friendship cannot happen. It cannot be done. But thanks God tonight, brethren, that it cannot be done. We can thank God that a genuine friendship with the world does not exist. For in the story of Jonah, Jonah was forced to identify himself, wasn't he? And in the final analysis, what was it that led to the salvation of the mariners? It was the fact that Jonah identified himself. Interesting, isn't it? Was it his concealing his identity that led to their salvation? No. Was it his endeavors to to embrace uh, an unholy alliance with those pagan mariners that saved them? No. It was the very fact that cornered, (laughs) he was forced to reveal his identity. The final thing to note here, brethren, and bless God for it, Jonah was found out. (laughs) He was found out. 
not by the manipulations of the mariners as they cast their lots, but by the sovereignty of Yahweh, his God, who sought to extend grace, grace to Jonah, though he didn't deserve it, and common grace to the mariners, though they didn't deserve it. Isn't God good? Isn't God amazing? Isn't God wonderful? Jonah was found out. And please God today, might we, the Christian church, be found out? When a lot fell on Jonah, he was forced to concede. Verse 9, I am a Hebrew. I worship Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. What an amazing twist we have here. For when Jonah came clean, rather than attract the rebuke, rather than attract the ridicule and the criticism of the pagan mariners, which perhaps he expected, he was actually the catalyst for the spiritual awakening of these pagans. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? We read in verse 16, later on in the text, At this the men greatly feared Yahweh. And they offered a sacrifice to Yahweh and made vows to Him. Friends, this was nothing short of extraordinary, wasn't it? These were pagan mariners. These were not followers of Yahweh. Their forefathers were not followers of Yahweh. And yet as Jonah was forced to come clean because of the manipulations of a sovereign God, hallelujah, God did an amazing thing in the extension of His grace to His servant, His disobedient servant. He extended grace to these pagan mariners and there was a revival. There was a spiritual revival awakening that fundamentally beggars belief, doesn't it? It beggars belief. Beyond our comprehension, isn't it? And yet we convince ourselves, don't we? We must be relevant and therefore we must endeavor to to be friends with the world. Hasn't impressed the world so far. Not in my lifetime at least. Perhaps if we come across a little more cloak and dagger. Conceal what we're really all about here. And pretend to be doing something that we're not really. Perhaps if we try to conceal our true identity. Maybe we, we, maybe we, we don't use the, the name Jesus Christ very often. Perhaps come under the the, the corporate umbrella of religion. Uh, That that might be more palatable to the word. That's not impressed the world either, has it? That's not one men and women for Jesus, has it? No, friends, these these mariners (laughs) experienced a spiritual awakening because Jonah was forced to come clean. I am a Hebrew, he says. I fear Yahweh, he says. The God who made the earth 
and the heavens. The God who has the wind and the waves in his hand. And it was this that convinced the mariners. Friends, the world is not convinced by the facade that we present that is other than Christian. The world is convinced with reality. Reality. Real Christians. Arguably the world is not convinced of Christianity because Christians aren't convinced of Christianity. But when the sailors saw who Jonah really was, they were convinced. Friends, as I understand the scriptures, when the world sees us for who we really are, unashamedly in Christ, they will be convinced. Do we believe that? Perhaps. When the church recovers her identity, the world will know who we are. And if I understand Scripture correctly, there will be a spiritual awakening. Three simple, four simple thoughts. The solution to the sailors' trouble was out of their hands. In spite of their efforts, they did all that they could, all that they knew. They just cast lots. How sad it is, friends. That the world is just like that. Their future is out of their hands. They cannot, they cannot stop the inevitable. But there is an answer. And that's why the church is here. That's why God in His grace and mercy has extended these days, not wanting any to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. There is an answer, my friends, and the answer is not in us forming unholy alliances with the world. The answer is not, my friends, in us endeavoring to, to hoodwink the world and conceal our true identity in Jesus. The answer is to declare, as Jonah declared, I am a Christian. I belong to Jesus. Yes, I grant you, we're expecting the inevitable ridicule and rebuke. But if we believe the text, if we read it right, these ungodly mariners, were convinced by his confession of faith. Isn't that just as well? Because what else have we got at our disposal? But a confession of faith. Ah, we've got this wonderful building, this bricks and mortar. In the final analysis, it'll burn. Our confession of faith, the Word of God. We have our structures. We have our denominational orders. We have our church constitution. We have our leadership. In the final analysis, my friends, these things will falter and fail. We have a confession of faith. 
Jesus has promised, I will build my church. How, Lord? How, Lord? He says, well, Peter, on your confession of faith, this, Peter, was not given to you by man, but by my Father who is in heaven. So as God revealed to Peter who Christ the Savior was, Peter confessed. That's what we have. By the Holy Spirit's revelation, we are in Christ. And we must confess. That's what we have, friends. That's what Jesus has given to us. The problem is, the church isn't doing it. It's engaged in all manner of other activities. Some very good, perhaps. Some less so. But we're not confessing our faith. I belong to Jesus. I'm a Christian. I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is this that will convince the world of the truth of our message. Convince these mariners, didn't, did it not? How long do we have to crack on with other things before the reality of this really hits home? Father, we thank you for your word. It's a searching word. It penetrates our hearts. Oh, have mercy on us, your church, here in the free west. Have mercy upon us, your church, your people. We have descended to using the techniques of the world, the method of man forgive us Lord help us perhaps backed into a corner or otherwise help us to declare as Jonah I am a Christian I belong to Yahweh the God of my fathers I am a servant of Jesus Christ it is this public confession that will convince the world of the God we love and serve. Hear our heart cry unto this end, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.